Welcome to the Vet Podcast by the Vet Gurus, Brendan and Mark. Get ready for the latest veterinary news, information and entertainment. Don't forget to visit us at the Vet Gurus website, vetgurus.com. Now, sit back, relax, it's over to the Vet Gurus, Brendan and Mark. Ho, 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 happy Christmas, Merry Christmas or happy holidays if you don't celebrate the Christmas period. It is the weekend in 28th of December and welcome to Vet Gurus. We're in a bit of a festive mood, aren't we, Mark? I'm, I'm sort of winding down here, winding down. I, I do have a little um, a little drink to help keep me um, on my toes um, while we do this little Christmas special, Mark. And um, got some good news, Mark. Um, I sold one of the extra lenses that I ended up purchasing when I was in India. I bought the lens kit with the new body, um, so I put that up for sale at a very, very cheap price. Um, so a nice lady came along to our house today and picked that up, and she was wrapped, so it helped defray some of the costs of buying the new body and lens kit that I didn't need because I hadn't had that lens already, Mark. So I hear your... your um, you're rapidly running the battery down in, on your laptop and you are sitting on the coast somewhere. It is. And from, from my point of view, it's at, what, what do they call it in the trade, an OB, an outside broadcast? Um, I yes. am on the OB, sun. or might, perhaps in your case, it's a BO, Mark, not maybe, an OB. But yes. Maybe. <laughs> um, and I, I, I am up on the Tweed Coast at Cabarita Beach um, with the family and uh, the extended family and... Um, we've been having a wonderful time. Had a bit of a hike halfway up um, uh, Mount Warning this morning, um, which was wonderful. You don't go to the top because a little bit like Ayers Rock, the uh, local Indigenous people have a sacred site at the top. They prefer you not to uh, reach the summit. But um, those um, the remaining 80% of the walk is just wonderful, Brendan. Excellent. Yeah, well, it's good to it's good to get out and just do non-vet things, isn't it? Which is what um, we always encourage people to do to help with the mental health aspects. And and yeah, good to see you getting out there, getting fit, and um, work up a bit of an appetite for your Christmas dinner. And then you'll need to go and get up and hike out again. And are you going to head out onto the watermark? Are you going to do a bit of surfing? Well, the, the um, Simon who's up here with me, um, he is a mad keen surfer and um, and I do intend to make a bit of a splash in the waves. But my single experience with a surfboard is exceedingly embarrassing to relate. I um, uh, didn't have a leg rope. I fell off and was hit in the back of the head, knocked out, dragged out of the water by the lifesavers and I've never done <laughs> a surfboard again. So maybe this is the year when I crack the... Uh, the, um, well, uh, not your skull. Uh, yeah, preferably not my skull. <laughs> anyway, well, um, take I, I take care and yes, and wear a leg rope is is the moral <laughs> of that story, isn't it, Mark? And and you know my little story with the last time I went surfing is I broke a rib, so I don't think we have a good um, track record. We have a track record for um, the old surfing. Yes. So, um, what have we got? We've got a couple of emails that we need to catch up on, Mark, and I'll, I'll just mention the first one. You can do a comment on it, and it is a great article written by um, Anna 
who sent in, um, who actually wrote the article and has posted it on her blog site, which I'll link to at vetgurus.com. And she has written an article on coral reefs around the world are in grave danger. Here's what's happening. And it was a bit of a summary of what's happening with the coral reef situation, which, as we know, is not not fantastic. And um, she um, fired off an email to us and suggested that we um, might want to link to it. And um, I've had a bit of a poke around her little um, site there, her, her blog site there. And, um, yeah, um, some quite good articles there, Mark. Did you, did you get a chance to read um, this article written by Anna? I did indeed. I was, um, I, um, as you well know, um, both in real life, uh, getting out and doing the, the uh, scuba work in coral reefs all around the tropical part of the world, and even in my interest in... Uh, um, living reef aquariums, I, the corals just fascinate me, and um, and I must admit that I, it's you know I don't want to bring a downer on this wonderful festive um, uh, celebration of family time of the year, but um, every time we do talk about corals, I I don't know I just I wonder whether we're too late, but I, I do admire um, her um, you know she, at least. Um, it's good to see people doing things, trying to do things, even if it's just raising awareness. Um, I think uh, there are things that we, we do need to put in place very quickly, not least of which is uh, action on um, uh, human-induced climate change, which is probably the thing that in 50 years' time we, the, the, the uh, obliteration of our coral reefs will be the most obvious of many um, results of uh, climate change if we can't rein it in relatively quickly. But there are a whole bunch of other things that, um, that uh, um, you know, that are, that are worth considering. Um, I, I do have a couple of um, questions for you, Brendan. Um, I wonder, I know one of the things that's happening is this, um, this process of selecting tough corals or maybe even strains of corals or... Um, temperature resistant um, corals um, that I don't I, I sort of feel like that uh, aspect of solving the problem is um, I, I, uh, I call it my technology will save us we don't need to do anything because technology will save us and um, and I just worry that um, that uh, you know that might be might make people feel like they don't need to do anything now because the scientists are onto it and they're going to find um, particular types of coral that are going to survive the apocalyptic heat waves we're going to generate. Um, but, yeah, I don't know whether that's the right way to deal with this, Brendan. Well, yeah, I agree totally. But I, 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 my, my feelings are that I don't think the general public think that that is a possibility and it's sad if if that's the case that yeah we'll leave it up to somebody else and we'll leave it up to the fact that yeah some brilliant scientist or scientists um, will manage to to solve the problem um it's reading through um anna's article she does mention about a, a couple of the um potential technological advances that might help um redress the situation a little bit but they're certainly not going to reverse things and that's a, the one that i found fascinating was that the, the little comments about the fleet of robotic jellyfish, Mark. Did you um, 
did you read that? And it was designed to monitor coral reefs without damaging the reefs. And that was um, these little robots that um, potter around, um, not damaging the reefs, but sort of assessing the damage there. And um, yeah, quite fun, those sorts of things, but certainly not going to help um, with with the devastation and the bleaching, etc. that's going on with them. Um, so no, Mark, I mean, my, my answer to that would be, I, I, I don't think so. Um, and, um, you know, what's going to happen? Well, my pessimistic self would say that yeah, it's it will continue to 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 get to the dire situation that we expect it to, and um, then people will start panicking about it, like typical typical human situations. We're good at coping with crises when when they get to that final point, and um, we're pathetic at dealing with it when we should be, which is a lot earlier than that, Mark. And, and um, that's my opinion on those sorts of things. So, so yeah, I don't have a solution and um, I think a lot of them are going to disappear, um, but, unfortunately. But I do, What's well, your I, thoughts? You know, as in so many other times this past 12 months, um, our thoughts correspond. Our, um, our, I, I do feel that, um, that things are really sad and, and we do... You know, as humans in emergencies, we do pull together and cope. Um, but unless we see it as an emergency, um, then, you know, we, we're all a little bit um, sometimes self-interested or we have other agenda or, you know, there are reasons that things don't happen until they're an emergency. And that's unfortunate. But I, I do have to um, give a shout out to Anna and give her a big pat on the back because um, it's it's easy to do what you and I do and just sit here and moan and groan and say how bad it all is. But um, uh, the more people that get information out to the general public and um, and generally make them aware of how serious the problem is, then the more chance there is that there's motiva- motivation to do something about it. Um, Definitely. You've got to keep chipping away, don't you, Mark? Um, and... The second email that we wanted to cover is one that you replied to um, or, or, or a person you replied to, and that was Nicole Cardoza who um, sent a, a lovely email about um, her aspirations as a, as a veterinarian, wasn't it, Mark? I think um, you replied when I was in gallivanting around northern India. So do you want to um, take the response to this um, particular? You've already replied to Nicole um, via email. Um, but, uh, a, but I think yeah. um, it is just... Um, uh, uh, a useful thing to um, shout out to Nicole and tell her, first of all, how much we appreciate receiving these sorts of um, emails. I sort of, I don't know, I don't know what you think, Brendan, but I constantly talk to the vet students that uh, come and do their practical rotations at our hospital about building a um, a network, a, a scaffolding around their professional life. And and I think, uh, in a way, um, Nicole has drawn us into the scaffolding of her life, her professional life. And I think that's a good thing. I think um, I've been talking to lots of students lately about uh, the high pressure that's put on them, the higher expectations that clients have, the higher expectations that employers have, the higher um, responsibility they feel because of their student debt. Um, and all these things roll into um, uh, creating a greater, you know, sense of anxiety. And and without that um, 
that support network, it, it's very easy to um, to dwell on the negative aspects and not focus on the positive ones and get into um, some strife. And so, I, I really, um, I really look forward to these sorts of emails and um, and I enjoy responding to them. Um, Nicole asks about her. Uh, admission interviews to the University of Cambridge. Um, she has a veterinary interview. She had a veterinary interview um, on the 7th of December and at the Royal Veterinary College on the 13th of December. And we obviously um, sent her out uh, good luck um, uh, and um, best wishes to... And the good thing about her email was that, um, you know, she looked to me in just a few paragraphs to um, have ticked a lot of the boxes um, doing a lot of reading in in air, the area of veterinary ethics and um, the importance of ethical frameworks, um, reading uh, uh, about pathology and zoonoses and disease prevention. Um, like many, I'm sure, of her generation, she uh, she has aspirations to work with wildlife or in a zoo, um, and um, and pleasingly, she's well aware and interested in one health approach to medicine, that philosophy which um, combines um, uh, veterinary medicine with human medicine, which uh, uh, is, a, um, you know, a growing foundation. Many of the diseases likely to affect our human population uh, um, arise as zoonoses. Um, and so that one health approach uh, expertise from both animal health and human health areas combined um, produces a certain synergy. So it's interesting to hear students be aware of it and have an interest in it. Um, but finally, she asks us what the three most important qualities are of a successful uh, vet student. Um, and I was felt like I was a little bit um, a little bit lucky here in that we just uh, we had just spoken to um, uh, James Harris at the. Uh, UPAV conference, and so um, I was at least able to um, dramatically plagiarise um, James's um, wisdom and experience. Um, and I, I suggested to Nicole that um, curiosity and maybe passion might be two of the three things that um, that both employers and I expect universities look for in future veterinarians. I think that um, you know certainly all the the uh, the people that qualify for vet school, um, they definitely have all the intellectual capabilities to uh, to achieve, um, and so it's those other you know um, those other things that uh, the universities can teach all the skills and the knowledge, uh, but if uh, vet students don't have a healthy lifelong curiosity and a matching passion, um, then you're really not able to leverage those things you learn into a successful, satisfying veterinary career, I reckon, Brendan. So I, I, sent, I sent her our um, congratulations and good wishes for an interview, and I look forward to hearing how she went. Yes, and if she fails the interview, <laughs> she, she has us to blame, Mark, so she doesn't have to blame herself. So, yeah, we good luck to you. Nicole, and um, let's hope and you did get in. Yeah, I agree totally with your thoughts there, Mark. I mean, tenacity is probably the other thing I'd suggest. Um, I always think about with with vet students, it's a it's a long, drawn out um, process getting through the vet course, and you just need to hang in there and um, plug away and um, 
and I was chatting to my my daughter Sophie, who has just finished her schooling and heads off to university next year. And I said, first year or two at university can be quite tough. It's um, all those sort of dry core subjects for for a science student, and um, you, um, I think that's the reason why so many students end up dropping out in the first year or two of university because they, they enrol in a course and they think, what the hell am I doing here? And they just need to hang in there for those first year or two or three and once they get through those core subjects and then they start to do the, I suppose, the other subjects that they um, may be able to um, have a choice on, um, then they start to see that, hey, um, this is a career or, or an area that I do want to get into. So so hang in there and be tenacious and, and, and just plug away and plug away and, and you'll get there, Nicole, even if um, the interviews didn't go quite as well as um, you thought this year. Um, you know, by the look of your email, you're, you're on the ball and um, I'm sure you'll get there in the end. So... So great to hear from you, Nicole. I, I think we've got two little two little um, news stories only, Mark, this year um, or this episode before we get stuck into our review, our 2018 review. And the first one's a very quick one that I thought was a quite uplift, uplifting one in, in more ways than one, and that was about a dog that um, dug up a, what it thought was a bone and uh, an owner... Uh, of Scout, a young Labrador retriever puppy in Washington, um, was digging a hole in his backyard and um, he was found chewing on a bone and his owner had a bit of a closer look. Kirk had a bit of a look at the um, supposed bone and he thought it looked something a little bit different. Um, And he took a few photos of the object and he passed them along to experts at the University of Washington Burke Museum and their conclusion was that Scout's find was no less than the part of a tooth from a woolly mammoth estimated to be 13,000 years old. So that's um, that's one pretty old bone there, Mark. And, um, you know, I, 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 no wonder he was enjoying it because I know virtually all the dogs I've had, they, they do love to bury the bones to get them to fester a little bit, don't they, Mark? Um, and then dig them up again um, when they're nice and ripe and have a bit of a chew. So this one's been sitting there for 13, 13 what, million years. 13,000. So, and... Um, Sorry, 13,000 years, not 13 million years. And, um, yeah, it would probably be quite tasty, I'd expect, by then. Um, so, yeah, so I thought that was quite a fun story. And there's a lovely picture there of um, Scout and with his woolly mammoth tooth. And um, I'm not quite sure whether he's still letting um, him have a bit of a chew on it or whether he's kept it off him and has, have it, has it um, sitting on the mantelpiece um, as a bit of a souvenir there so that's my first story mark what's your first and only um, um story brendan my my i wanted to bring everyone's attention to um the results of the comedy wildlife photography awards um now i know that um, both you and i have uh, made many attempts to enter the uh, comedy wildlife maybe maybe the uh, Comedic Photographers Award would be more appropriate, but um, I love looking at these um, these images. Yeah. They uh, the one of the really good things about them I enjoy is that the the um, the competition um, uses to uses uh, it um, uses these images to 
um, bring clicks and um, support for a number of conservation um, issues, particularly the Born Free Foundation, um, which is an organisation in the UK which works to um, help uh, maybe animals in zoos or uh, circuses or um, some form of captivity return to the wild and contribute to wild populations. And so um, it is an eminent, uh, the, the support of this competition is eminently useful for conservation. And, um, and not only that, they are pretty funny pictures by and large. Did you have a favourite amongst them, Brendan? Um, yes, my favourite was, let me scroll down here and have see if I can find it. It was the the photo yes. photographer bear. So the bear, um, the polar bear that almost looks like he's looking through a tripod um, mounted um, camera and taking a picture there. Um, um, I just, I, that's probably my well, favourite one. Well, I enjoyed one that there, one. Mark. I also enjoyed the, um, the, uh, um, the other bear one where he just looks like he's had a, a uh, Friday night that was too hard and he's got his paw half over his uh, head with his half-closed eyes. I um, I thought the winner was um, uh, uh, pretty good, but I really love the um, the owl poking up over the... the, uh, the, the there's an owl's head poking up over the edge and of um, some terrain and it looks, um, it looks yes. pretty funny, so... Um, I was also, I wanted to take note that yes. um, there's a junior category to this competition. And, and I think this would be a universal thing that most junior categories are going to involve some excrement of some sort. And this one was no no exception. The um, owl in that photograph um, was leaving a lovely big stain on the perch that it was sitting on. So um, I think um, the, uh, the junior portfolio holds true to form in involving um, droppings of one sort of another. <laughs> yes, some amazing photos there, and as usual, makes me feel very inadequate with my <laughs> my photos that um, that I um, spend so many t so many hours. But it's 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 the thought, isn't it? It's the contemplative aspect of taking the photos there, and you can purchase these to contribute um, to that conservation project too. So they you can buy the prints if you just go to comedywildlifephoto com and um i think all all the um all the entrants or certainly all the finalists there um you can buy different size prints there and they're, they're actually fair, fairly affordable those prices so a very good cause yes so maybe one day mark will um we'll um we'll have um one of our photos in one of these um <laughs> one of these regional um very, competitions very, we may win that's right <laughs> we'll have to start up our own little um, photography competition yes <laughs> okay so well the main topic is what we don't have a main topic. This is our um, Christmas review, Mark, and what we often do, or we, we we often we've only done it once before, haven't we? Because it's our second. But it sort of fits, Brendan, because it's the sort of thing um, you and I do all the just, time, reflecting on the foolish things we've done throughout the year. <laughs> um, so it's only fair that we share those uh, those thoughts with um, with our, uh, our wonderful audience that they get the full gamut of our. Uh, uh, interpretations, our reflections on the year. So I, I think it's a good idea. Yeah. 
with our wonderful listeners and our supporters and um, a shout out to um, our Patreon supporters there, especially our our rabbit, which we haven't um, done a shout out to for a while. And that's um, Sandy Hume, who's our only rabbit supporter. And, and what the hell is a rabbit supporter? Well, go to patreon.com vet gurus and there's different categories of supporters. And uh, a rabbit supporter is one who gives us $10 a month. And that is um, a big thank you to to Sandy there. So yeah, let's talk about a few of the topics or um, that may or may not be controversial that we've spoken about during the year, Mark, and maybe thoughts on um, where the veterinary profession is going for two thousand and nineteen. And I and I think the one that we we had a couple on the list there, didn't we, Mark? And the one that was up. Um, at the start of the list, there was um, the changes with the um, racing situation with with animal racing and and greyhound racing in particular, and the the fact that it's um, been closed down in in several countries and states, including um, regions here in Australia. And and um, I know you and I have have also mentioned about um, the horse racing industry, and and I think our our thoughts on um, animals and racing is that perhaps it isn't something that um, should exist and, and I feel reasonably um, reasonably strongly that that's the case despite having um, many veterinarian friends who are horse veterinarians, Mark. Um, but I think in the future, not necessarily next year, but 50 or 100 years or a 1,000 years from now, um, our, our um, descendants will look back and think, gee, what a barbaric thing to do um, to flog these animals to get them to, to try and race. And, um, you know, my, my, my general thoughts with them are if, if there's money involved in animals, then, you know, the animals often end up or, or almost certainly always end up second best. So them's my thoughts on that particular um, um, aspect, racing and, and the animal racing industry. What's... Um, well, What's your I, comment, I think, um, Mark? <laughs> you know, following a pattern of us um, echoing each other's thoughts, I, I agree entirely with all that you've said. I think um, that particularly greyhound racing is is just at the moment developing into a, a you know small niche um, that uh, that literally is going to struggle to um, to have enough supporters, enough participants to continue into the future. And in one way, that's a little bit, I don't know, it makes me sad in one respect that the only way that we get to stop these things is they, um, is that they, you know, die a natural death, as it were, um, rather than us actively choose to do the right thing by these animals. Um, and I think it will take, you know, there's vastly greater sums of money involved in, thoroughbred racing and, and standard bred racing and I think um, it will take you know your idea of several thousand years probably is an accurate representation um, by the time that um, that those things have come to end um, it might take that sort of time frame I don't know um, but I do think um, there's been a definitely a noticeable greater focus uh, I, I know my timelines um, in social media were filled with um, discussions of, uh, of um, uh, pulmonary hemorrhage in, in racehorses and, um, and the significance of that. I often get, um, and I wonder what you think about this, Brendan, I often get uh, uh, people involved in those industries um, relate to me how, how much the animals enjoy the race. 
um, and for them that becomes part of the justification for you know allowing the animals to undergo those those um, those things the races um, and I definitely think we, I mean you've got greyhounds you know how they love gambling around the yard but I think taking it to that next level where there's a human imposed um, competition winners and losers and money that changes it from something the animals love to something that that uh, is going to be damaging for them um, so I, I do see a trend and it may take some time less time with the greyhounds uh, but I think as you say in years to come our um, our society will look back and with a little bit of a quizzical how could that happen um, type look on on racing animals Yes. <laughs> That's all I've got to say. Yes. <laughs> so next topic, Mark, what what um, what else sort of piqued your interest this year? Well, I really enjoyed, uh, once again, I'm, it's the end of the year, I'm reflecting um, on our recent attendance at UPAV and um, I really, uh, uh, one of the, um, the uh, it was Lizzie's talk on, on Khaleesi virus there, wasn't it? Khaleesi virus in rabbits. That's that's the one yes. of the actual veterinary topics that um, there's sort of been slow evolution through the year, and so it's one of those topics that um, is immediately relevant to us clinically, but is also uh, changing before our you know before our very eyes. Um, and I know that um, once again, I don't want people to think that I'm uh, I spend all my spare time lurking on Facebook, but um, my social media feeds were, were there was just spikes of talk of um, uh, of rabbit clubs uh, um, employing different vaccines or applying for um, import licenses to use different vaccines. Um, yeah, I think um, that, that uh, I know we had a talk about um, the origins of Coven and the polygesterone um, medication for ferrets and. Uh, and I think that yes. um, that uh, that this the whole uh, rabbit vaccination story uh, is likely to be motivated by, um, well, is likely to be actioned by some very motivated people in the uh, in the the um, rabbit keeping fraternity, the the um, the community that uh, so passionately looks after domestic rabbits. I think they're going to be a powerful force over the next year or two. Yes, and I, the Khaleesi virus has certainly been a, a huge topic here in Australia and perhaps lesser so in some of the other countries, um, but I know it has been fairly big in the UK and, and, and um, areas of Europe. I'm not quite sure, sure how, how how important or, or, or devastating it has been to the pet rabbit populations in, in the rest of the world, including North America, Mark, but... Um, I'm sure one of our listeners will fire an email to us over the holiday period um, when they're sitting down outside in sunning themselves here in in um, the southern hemisphere, or, or or wrapped up in front of a fire in the northern hemisphere, and um, think, "What will I do?" Well, I'll send an email to the vet gurus, to Brendan and Mark about Khaleesi virus. Um, the other topic that I think is an ongoing one, Mark, that we We've spoken about obviously several times this year, which um, is another bit of a depressing 
One is the wildlife trade, um, which continues to occur at a pace um, in various um, forms. And um, as you know, we both have sort of a bit of contact with some of the confiscated animals that come through the various organisations and and, um, governmental organisations. And, yeah, I just... I find it a difficult one because a bit like the racing um, industry to a certain extent, but certainly a lot worse um, where there's money, there's a way and, um, you know, there's so many things that are these animals that are unfortunately smuggled out um, because there's a high price that's obtained for them in other other states or cities or countries um, um, keeps that um, wildlife trade going. So I don't know what the answer there is, Mark. Um with that, and one we've particularly focused on recently is uh, is the um, is the ivory it is, trade, isn't and it, it, Mark? It it has been a repeated um, topic that we've returned to in various articles or um, stories that we know of, and um, and I do, like you said, it is it's depressing that um, that um, avarice, essentially avarice, um, what humans want. Um, overrides the welfare of the animals and to the extent where um, uh, native populations, indigenous populations uh, uh, have actual pressure or even to the point where they become endangered as a result. And um, and it's interesting as time goes on and we learn more about, uh, um, about these species um, and particularly the one that jumps to mind was one of the stories we did on the... the uh, the tarantulas, and I know in Australia the the, the taxonomy of those um, those species of animals are uh, evolving so quickly that um, that some of the the uh, species that have recently been identified occupy only you know an area several football fields in in size, and so um, collection for the pet trade or uh, significant. Um, uh, uh, housing development could be enough to wipe those animals out. So, um, yeah, I do, I'm the same as you. I don't see an immediate solution. Maybe returning to Anna's general theme of of uh, just continually trying to put it out there and make people aware, um, uh, um, bring to mind the the uh, the instances where um, captive care of wildlife can make a difference to conservation and. Uh, and um, I don't know, just education and knowledge. Hopefully, that will tip the balance back in favour of the survival of these animals in the wild. But I don't know. Sometimes I wonder whether it's too little, too late, Brendan. Yes, we're getting very depressing here, aren't we, Mark? With our with our um, topics here. So maybe is it is there a, something a little bit more up? Um, tell me about your trips this year. I know you tend to go overseas or interstate at least um, at least once a week by by, by my um, estimations there, Mark. And um, what was the highlight of your your trip well, the, this the year? Trip or which I enjoyed trip did the most you enjoy was uh, travelling to um, uh, Sulawesi in Indonesia to the diving trip that um, that Kate and I did in October. It was I, I can't sing the praises highly enough of the the uh, resort we stayed at, um, Wakatobi Resort in uh, on the southeastern tip of Sulawesi. We did have the excitement of um, a, uh, an earthquake while we were over there, um, an underwater earthquake on the other side of Sulawesi, um, which, um, which was um, 
uh, a little bit of a worry for us for a while, but um, much more of a worry for the people who who lived much closer. And we were um, distressed to hear that uh, um, there was much destruction and um, and uh, deaths. And particularly given the infrastructure in Indonesia, we we'd hoped that. Um, the way that they were set up to deal with uh, the consequences of earthquakes, particularly tsunamis, that um, things might go a bit better. Um, but while we were there, we had just the best time. First of all, diving. The diving there is um, just world class. And um, we got to see um, things that we wouldn't get to see anywhere else. And so um, that's always a bonus. And I got some cracking underwater photos, but also the... Um, on the island uh, where we stayed, uh, just off the coast of Sulawesi, um, there's a large number of uh, unusual birds and reptiles. So um, it was all in all kept me busy for the, the whole couple of weeks that we were there. And I look back very fondly at that time, Brendan. Yes, and uh, I, I look back at that time of, of, of a bit of a panic there where I turned on the um television and saw the the news of what had happened there and then i thought oh mark uh, mark is pretty close to that and i think it was several hours before i heard back from you saying that no it's okay um we're the family's all all good and we're over the other the other end of the island um which um was great for you not great for the for the locals um in the area that was devastated there but yeah it's um you you have spoken several times to me off air about how amazing it was and i think as far as my trips go yeah obviously the india trip was the one that was um pretty special um to a, a similar sort of extent in that um you know it was a you know, India is a fascinating place and, and still a, a third world country, but the people are absolutely beautiful from the from the people in abject poverty to, to the to the mega rich. And we did see um, those two extremes over there and um, everybody was just wonderful that we that we that we saw and, and dealt with and managed to experience in our short period of time that we were there and um, yeah, it just puts things in perspective doesn't it when you see some of these countries and you just realize how lucky we are um in the in our um in australia and the and the um western world generally mark but um i was disappointed that i didn't get time to spend um looking at some of the amazing amazing wildlife in india um i had tried to tee up a couple of little um, safaris out um, in the northeast area or northwest area of um, India with um, some of the local veterinarians, but um, it sort of fell apart um, near the end there. But um, so we didn't end up doing that, but had a fantastic time, Mark. And um, I was just going through some of the many photos that I've taken and editing them and trying to sort out the the good from the bad from the very bad and um yeah some fantastic memories there and i'm hoping that i'll head back again there um sometime in the future that so that was my standout trip there mark and some, as you know i've i've um, told you a couple of the stories um of india and i'll tell you a few more in the in the weeks and months to come to bore you even further mark so yeah and, um, i think we're lucky that we can manage to get this and i think part of it is that you know with our background with it, the veterinary industry we've got a different perspective on things don't we and i think that's one of the beauties of of being in the veterinary industry you get to appreciate wildlife and nature um 
that little bit more in depth that um, perhaps people from other other um, professions or um, industries I think don't go get a little bit too further much. than that, Brendan. I think yeah. our um, um, our profession, particularly the you know the association with um, agriculture and animal husbandry, I think that you um, have a keener appreciation of of those aspects of society in those countries that we visit and um and yeah i do think our profession gives us a a a particular window both on the wild things but also on um the the uh the relationships humans have with uh, animals in those countries um uh, just how they manage to survive how they manage to look after them i think um, our profession gives us a uh, a real gift in being able to look at those things from a, that unique perspective. Yes. Now, what else should we talk about, Mark, um, before we um, before your battery runs out on well, your laptop think, as you're sitting I on the that, beach um, there? I'd like to make um, a couple other? of um, bold predictions for the coming year. Um, I've got I've got um, one about veterinary business that I really want to. Uh, stick out there. I, my, this is my tip for veterinary business for the next year. I reckon that um, the uh, the part of our veterinary business that has to do with um, uh, supply of medication um, is going to fall away precipitously. I think veterinary practices are going to need to prepare for um, online pharmacies to take over the bulk of that work and that's going to be a uh, you know, a centre, a profit centre, if you like, um, that's going to be lost to veterinary practices uh, in Australia. A significant portion of that is going to be lost. I think in businesses like yours and mine, Brendan, I think um, uh, because we have uh, unique um, needs with respect to our unusual patients, we're still going to have to uh, keep a reasonable pharmacy on hand to look after those animals. Uh, but I think your average veterinary practice will find that uh, clients are actually looking online and not taking the drugs. They're asking for prescriptions and uh, getting those medications supplied elsewhere. And I think we're lucky in the area that we deal with in that much of the much of the veterinary um, information we provide is exactly that we provide information and uh, rather than providing medications and you know i'm sure you're the same in that a large percentage of the of the animals that i see and the clients that i see especially new clients that we're just providing a half an hour consultation where we're providing just information and that's it and that's what um, i'm getting paid for by um, providing them the correct health and um, well-being information for their animal, whereas your traditional practitioner dealing with dogs, cats, large animals, for instance, um, may be more reliant on um, the medications and the pharmacy in their practice than we are, Mark. So I don't think it will hit us as hard as as some of others in our profession that um, it will do, Mark. But I agree entirely in that, um, and I'm already certainly seeing that, and I have an increasing number of clients will be saying, uh, I do not want to purchase the medication from our clinic, especially repeat medications um, when they say, oh, look, I can I can buy this medication elsewhere at a much cheaper price than we can even buy it in for. Um, 
and um, they realise that the wastage um, for having stock on the shelf that expires um, and the handling fees, etc., are the reasons why it costs us more and that we have to mark up the, the medications more than um, some of these online pharmacies um, charge for it, Mark. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree completely with you that. And, and I think it's something the profession has struggled with and they will struggle with it will struggle with in the future um but um and i think there are some countries that legislation um is kicking in as far as um making sure that the clients have the option of um purchasing the um products um as long as a script is is written and the animal is seen by a veterinarian um that that um that they legally have to provide that option that the yeah, client can buy. That's definitely the case. Um, Is that correct? There are um, varying state in New South, uh, in Australia, at least where I have some understanding, there's various um, state regulations about um, what can be supplied and who can supply it. But um, the, the uh, principle of free trade between states means that um, it's sort of like the weakest link operates and... Uh, um, prohibitions on online pharmacies in one state um, really hold no sway because the people who run them just move to another state that allows it and then send the drugs um, uh, interstate, which they're entirely legally allowed to do. So so I do think that vets, uh, I, like you, I think um, traditionally veterinarians are relatively conservative, particularly in business, and I don't think they look ahead nearly as much as they should to um, the changing nature of business. And I think this one will catch a few businesses off guard, um, but I think many businesses are, are preparing for it. I just my, my impression is that there will be where it's been a bit of a, you know, one or two clients, and as you said, with chronic medication where they start to look online, I think there's going to be an explosion of this stuff over the next 12 months and, and our, our pharmacies will shrink precipitously to just a little bit of um, uh, just-in-case supply and most people are going to expect to uh, get prescriptions and obtain their stuff online. Yes, good prediction and we will chat about it again next year and I'm sure we'll we will be saying that you were correct there, Mark. The prediction I have is the ongoing, the ongoing emphasis, an increased emphasis on um, mental health in the profession, Mark. And we are both passionate about um, ensuring we look after each other and look after all our colleagues um, within the profession, the veterinarians, veterinary technicians, and nurses. And um, the good news is, I think we've seen an obvious increase in the. Um, the support structures that have been put in place, and the, the, the and even the soft options like the the mentor schemes and the AVA graduate scheme that both you and I are involved with, with um, helping new graduates and just mentoring new graduates as they transition from university into practice, um, to to more um, more detailed mental health sort of um, care and um, um, aspects with um, dealing with. Um, difficulties with um, practice and the stresses, um, um, it's, it's been good in that we, pe we, we people are becoming more and more aware of it and I expect that there'll be a, 
a much increased um, formal um, process um, that continues to to evolve um, in oh, 2019, I, I, or at least I, I hope have, so. Mo. I think that's a prediction that's easy to back up, Brendan, and uh, and I have some um, knowledge through my work with the AVBC where they're looking at um, ways of integrating um, uh, what the students have to go through with um, with what happens to them once they... Uh, um, become registered veterinarians once they graduate and that coordination I think is a, an important step that um, that, that uh, step from uh, university to practice is a, such a huge one and without that coordination um, it is a little bit more difficult so I'm really pleased to be involved with uh, that research that the AVBC is undertaking over the next 12 months to, um, to look into that uh, particular area um, so, uh, as you say, I think there's, um, you and I uh, have genuine reasons to be really passionate about it um, and, um, and we, uh, we do our best to, in our areas to be as supportive of our colleagues as, and look after each other for that matter. Um, but, um, but I think in general, the, uh, the, the, it's a much more ever-present thought when it comes to uh, occupational issues um, in our profession. And I think there's more resources, as you said, soft options, hard options. Um, there are, uh, are many more things that are available and being done. And I think those uh, that's just going to, we're going to see that um, blossom. There's going to be much more thought put into things. And, um, and I look forward to being you know, part of a profession that looks after itself. As it should, Mark, and looking back at what was available when we graduated, it was nothing, was it really? I mean, there was, there was, there was nothing there, and um, which was sad, and that's 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 why um, it's great to see things changing, Mark, in that um, in that sphere. Um, any other any other thoughts for two thousand and nineteen? Apart from saying thank you to all our listeners and our new subscribers and. We love our listeners. Well, I do have one, we one, them one very much prediction, and, uh, um, Brendan, that... and and it um, harkens back to just what you were saying then that um, we have enjoyed the company of our correspondents and our listeners. We have really, I, I, I don't know how to explain how much more uh, pleasure the podcast has given me to be involved in than I actually expected. I thought, you know, there'd be a good reason for you and I to have a chat each week and. Maybe one or two people would listen in, but the vast numbers of people that um, that do listen to us and contribute to our discussions, uh, both with email or um, even talking to us at the conference, um, it's been a genuine pleasure. And my prediction is that um, that we'll be equally committed over the next twelve months to getting it out there, touching on topics that hopefully are relevant to the pr uh, profession. And, um, and I reckon we'll be doing another Christmas special in 12 months, Brendan. That's my prediction. Good prediction. That's a certainty, Mark, not a prediction, a certainty. And um, you're a safe holiday period and, and a, a fantastic 2019 to all our listeners is what we what we hope for, for. And we do have a little a little blooper reel, Mark, that we've put together that I'll play now before the outro. And um, 
I must have a, I have a confession, Mark, in that when I went through and had a look at all the bloopers, I could not find a um, blooper of me saying, "Oh, sorry, Mark, I've left um, I left my mic on mute." So there's there's not one saying that, even though I probably do it um, at least once or twice every every single episode where where I leave you hanging um, and um, you need to sort of um, fill the fill the space um, where I've I've, I've um, left my mic on mute but um, here's our little blooper reel for 2018 and um, we will um, We'll have it. We'll, we'll have an episode next week, which we're planning on a special, an interview, um, before the end of the um, end of the year, and um, that will come out on. Um, well, what will it be then? Market will be on. No, one will be the. It'll be the fourth. Um, so it will be the first one of um, two thousand and nineteen. Will be a special interview um, that we're just putting together now, and. Um, yeah, here's our blooper reel, and um, thanks for listening. Brendan, can you hear me? Brendan, can you hear me? Oh, I think you've jo- dropped off again, Mark. Oh, no, I'm going to have to pause here. Ah, oh, there you go, I can hear you now. That's better, so, yeah, try again. You can't hear me, obviously. Oh, it's going to scary. I didn't realise how viral it had gone. And I don't know what's happened to Dr Brendan. I don't know. No, nothing there. I literally don't know what to do now. Mark's just dropped off there, so while he while he waits to get back in, I will continue on with the story. Ah, oh, there you go. I can hear you now. That's better. So, yeah, try again. It's hilarious. Um, and I'll just cut it out there, Mark. This is just going to be a disaster. I don't know whether you can hear me now, Brendan. I doubt it. The power of the millennial, hey? That's it. Um, oh, I think you've jo- dropped off again, Mark. That was quite funny. Brendan, can you hear me? Mark, I've, um, I've, I think I've lost your your voice there a little bit. Just get a bit closer to the microphone and try again and we'll see. I don't know what's happened to Dr. Brendan. I don't know. Brendan, can you hear me? No, nothing there. I literally don't know what to do now. for listening to the vet podcast by the vet gurus don't forget to visit us at the website vetgurus.com where you can subscribe view show notes listen to previous episodes and more you can contact us via email at vetgurus at gmail.com to ask a question or just say hi thanks again and see you next time